Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Ready for this morning's message. It's a message that is dear to my heart, and uh, I love uh, this idea, this topic um, that we're going to be talking about. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn over to Luke chapter 18. And um, as you're doing that, I do want to reiterate what Brother Jeffrey said this morning already, is we've got some people that are hurting, uh, that have uh, suffered loss, and that is the Davis family and the Godby family. And uh, we want to continue to say that we love you guys, and I just want to continue to keep you in prayer, know that we're here for you, and ask everybody to keep these families in your prayers, and um, I know they'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, God is amazing, uh, because we, the, the songs, again, uh, chosen before uh, this week, or chosen this week, and uh, just thinking about that truth, God's love never fails. Uh, it, it's always there. It never runs out. It never falls short. And I, I want to encourage you. Uh, that's something that is, is hard to do. A few, few months ago, or not a few months ago, a few weeks ago, I was preaching on, um, I can't even remember what it was, but the Lord put on my heart to talk about the different type of responses that we can have through uh, the ups and downs, the mountains and the valleys of our lives. And, you know, one of the things uh, that I said is, is there's, at times that people who go through negative things, uh, go through the valleys, they, maybe they weren't drawing close to God before that valley, and because things are going bad, because things are going south, it's their health, it's their job, it's their family, God, they need God to fix something, to change something, uh, they, they begin to turn to God in that valley. And then there's times that there's the opposite of response to that valley or to that trial. There's people that maybe were you know, seeking God, faithful to church, and faithful in reading their Bible, and then things start to devastate their life, and they begin to pull away from, from the Lord. They begin to pull away from the things that um, God has uh, pull, or is taking them through, that, through that valley. And so they pull away, and they pull away from the very one who can help them and sustain them through that trial and wants to grow them through that. And then there is the other side, the mountaintop, and uh, the mountaintop is those who may be not close to God, uh, not pursuing the Lord, not seeking His face, and then everything starts to go good. But in that conversation, they're they're praising the Lord, they're talking about it. You know, hey, um, you know, everything's wonderful in my life. I, I I can go to church, I can serve the Lord, I can do all these things. And then on the the opposite side, whenever everything gets right, everything gets good, all the blessings are flowing in our life. We're on the mountaintop, everything's wonderful, and we don't really need God anymore and so in the mountain to all the all the goods coming so we pull away and uh, i just want to encourage you whether you're on the mountain or the valley keep seeking the lord keep pursuing the lord stay faithful to him because he's always faithful just because you go through a valley or, or a tough time it doesn't mean that god's still not alive he's still his love is still unfailing don't forget those things in the valley and the trial uh, because god wants to grow you wants to pull you through maybe even use you in that trial uh, and then on the other side, on the mountaintop, praise him on the mountaintop at all times, uh, no, no matter what. Don't, don't, don't forsake him when everything's good in your life. Stay praising the Lord. Stay seeking him with everything you have. And so um, just a, a quick word before we actually get into the, the actual message. But 
Uh, last week we had a couple of uh, points that we saw. I just want to remind you of those. The kingdom of God is a spiritual uh, kingdom. The king of that kingdom will return with judgment. It's coming soon. And then the third thing was the key to entering that kingdom and escaping that judgment is surrender. And so again, some very important points. And this week we move to this grave, important topic. And the topic is prayer. We've talked about this already in our journey with Jesus. We've looked at the ideal uh, prayer, the model prayer, the Lord's prayer. We've talked about different elements of prayer, but we come to a place and we see a very, some, some very important points on prayer again. And so I just want to say, you know, a few years ago, God impressed my heart, not a few years, several years ago, God impressed my heart greatly uh, for, for us to be uh, more concentrated on prayer. And so we added our prayer service and and we've always been a praying church, but this uh, has definitely put a, uh, a major focus on prayer. And I want to say this, it has to be a major focus, not, in our corp- not just in our corporate life, but in our individual lives. And so it's so important. Matter of fact, I'm going to share a couple of quotes from a, a book I read years and years ago from E.M. Bounds. And the, the name of the book was The Weapon of Prayer. It's a great book on prayer if you want to read something on that. But uh, some, here, here's uh, some quotes from that. He said this, all this makes praying a real business, not child's play, not a secondary affair, nor a trivial matter, but but a serious business. The men who have made a success of praying have made a business of praying. It's a process demanding the time, thought, energy, and hearts of mankind. Prayer is business for time, business for eternity. It's a man's business to pray, transcending all other business and taking precedence over all other vocations, professions, or occupations. He'd go on to say praying is a business which takes hold of eternity and the things beyond the grave. It's a business which involves earth and heaven. All worlds are touched and worlds are influenced by prayer. It has to do with God and men and angels and devils. See, if we miss the importance of prayer... We miss the importance of our relationship with God and others altogether. That's the truth of prayer. If we miss the importance of prayer, then we miss the importance of our relationship with God and with others. And if we miss that, if that's something that we miss in this life, then I think that we miss the point of our existence altogether. And so, whoa, we miss the importance of prayer. We miss the points of our existence altogether. Think about this. Before Adam and Eve had sinned, before they were cast out of the garden, before they had uh, to have sacrifice and intercession in their relationship with God, before it was separated, they could talk with God, they could walk with God. It was all about their interaction with God. The Bible said that he, he made man and he saw it was good. He saw all of his creation, it was good. God wanted to have a relationship with us. We are the apple of his eye, the, 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 the prize of all his creation. And it's because we have a soul that he breathed life into and he wants to walk with us every single day of our lives. Again, the only thing that messed that up was sin. And ever since that time, you and I have been dealing with sin. But it doesn't change what God's desire was for us. God's desire was for you and I to talk with Him and to walk with Him and to, and to be close with Him and to, to share our feelings with Him and, and for Him to bless us and guide us and instruct us and, and just have this amazing, beautiful relationship with us. Again, Sin is the only thing that messed that up. And I'll say this, sin is the only thing that comes in the way now and and, and frustrates, hinders, blocks 
uh, all of our interaction and our relationship with God, and specifically through prayer, it's sin. So again, it didn't change what God wanted with us. So prayer, again, is, is so important. It's vital to our every single day life. And that's why we've seen, as our Lord set the example of it many times, departing and praying, going into, uh, uh, going to a mountain to pray before his, his greatest trial, we'll see, he, he prays. So important that his disciples beg him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us what this importance of, of interacting with God is. You have it. You have fellowship with the Father. We want to we, teach us that. And so this morning, I want to pray, and I want us to get into this message and see more about the importance of prayer. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time again. Thank you for what you've done already in our Sunday school hour. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had so far as well to worship you through song. We thank you for just the opportunity even to give back to you a portion of what you've so blessed us with. God, we know that even in something like that, our giving in our singing, you're not interested in the, the notes, how good it sounds. You're not interested in how much we give. It's the same thing in, in what we're talking about this morning, what we're doing right now. You're interested in our hearts. You're interested in a relationship with us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you so much that we can, we can call out your name and your ears open to our cry. Lord, as we were saying a while ago, whether it's on a mountaintop or in a valley, you're there, ready to listen, ready to even talk if, we'll, if we're willing to listen. And Lord, I ask that you would just continue to move in this service, continue to uh, be present with us, God. We desire that. We desire you to be the focus. We desire your word to go forth. Uh, I, I don't want to be in the way at all. I just want to be a vessel, Lord, uh, to speak your word and to preach this message and Lord, I ask that you would move in each of our lives. Lord, heal what needs to be healed. Uh, encourage where it, encouragement needs to, to happen. Uh, strengthen all of us, God. I pray you would also convict where conviction is necessary. Challenge our lives, God, uh, where we're at. And Lord, we ask you just to move now in a mighty way. Last of all, God, if there's someone here that's not saved, they've never surrendered their life to you, they've never accepted the gospel, They've never been born again. Uh, my prayer is that before they leave this place today, they'll understand just how great your love is for them, that you died on the cross. You shed your blood to make a way for that relationship to happen. Lord, you rose again and you give life to all who would call upon your name. And so, Lord, we ask that you move in those hearts if there's anyone here that's lost. And we'll praise you for that as well. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 18, if you have your Bibles there, we're going to begin right there in verse 1. It says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and to faint not. Now, we could stop there and, and close the sermon and go back to say what I said a while ago is prayer is vital. It's essential. It's the point of our existence. Jesus just said, or the, the Bible just said, that he spoke a parable. He teaches them that men should always pray. And never to faint, never to give up, never to weary, never to stop in their prayer. Matter of fact, we know in Thessalonians it tells us to pray without ceasing. God wants us to interact with him all day, every day in our relationship with him. 
It's so important to, to him, this relationship, this interaction with him, it's so important, listen, that he would come and die to afford us that opportunity to have the relationship with him. God would clothe himself in flesh and be the sacrifice so that we could have this type of interaction through prayer. We would have this relationship through walking and talking with him every single day. That's why he came. That's why he died. Not to be some popular religious figure, not to be some great teacher, to be the Lord, to be the God that he was in the very beginning, that he's always been, that he will always be, but having this relationship with us as his people. Prayer is vital, it's essential. And so he teaches this parable so that men would always pray and never stop praying. And so here's the parable, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. He was all about himself. He didn't care about God, didn't care about others. He had his job, he had his money, he had his own life. He was selfish, he was self-centered. It was all about him. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. Why wouldn't he avenge this widow? Somebody had been unjust to her. Somebody had taken advantage of her. Somebody had wronged her. And so she goes to this judge, and the judge says, Listen, leave me alone. Deal with your own life. I don't really have anything. I don't have any matters to judge in this. I mean, just, just leave me alone. But afterward, he said within himself, Even though I fear not God, nor I regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I'll avenge her, lest, here's, the re, here's his reasoning, by her continual coming, she weary me. See, she came and asked, and she, he could tell that this woman was desperate, that she was in need, and his mindset, he begins to think ahead, look, I don't really have time for this, I, don't, I, don't, I'm not, I have no fear of God, I'm not worried about others, I mean, there's not a, there's not a big deal, but he began to think, you know, maybe, maybe I should do something because... I really don't want to deal with her because she comes back tomorrow and then she comes back the next day and she just continues to bother me. I'm just going to get tired of it. It's going to be a thorn in my flesh. There's nothing I can do to her. So maybe, maybe I should do something. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Jesus says, Hear what the unjust, unjust judge said. Did you, did you hear what he said? That he was going to do it because he didn't want to be troubled by the widow's persistence in coming to him. So he was going to answer her request because of his selfishness. Because his, because his own, you know, you know, being put out with her continually come to him. He says, listen, listen to this. In verse 7, and so if that's the unjust judge, and that's the way that he would react in this situation, that's the way he reacted in this story... Shall not God avenge his own elect, his own chosen ones? Listen to this. Which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. Even though he's long-suffering with them, he's got reasoning, all these things. Is God not going to move on behalf of his chosen people? And his answer, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? Now, this question that was just asked right there was not spoken because Jesus wondered if, if when he comes back, he would find this kind of faith or not, because we know he's God. He's not wondering. It's not a question that he had that he needed answering. He's posing this rhetorical question, or he's posing this question, 
not questioning that. And he, wasn't, he was also not questioning whether all believers would be gone when he returns. Because think about this. Am I going to find this kind of faith or is everybody going to be gone? No, he, he wasn't wondering that type of question at all. He asked this question, his disciples there, specifically to spur the disciples to faithfulness and prayer. To encourage them to keep on keeping on in their prayer. To not give up when they, when they, when they don't get an answer and when they, when they don't get the answer when they want it or how they want it. Sometimes God answers no. Sometimes he answers not right now or not like that. But if you don't get an answer at this point in time, he's saying, listen, God, God's going to answer. Just don't give up. And so point number one is this. Persistent prayer pays off. Persistent prayer pays off. I, I don't know where your prayer life is, and I don't know if you have a prayer life. If you're a child of God, you should. You should have time that you spend time with the Lord. You should also have time throughout the day that you're just talking with God. It's not something that you have to find a place and get down on your knees and fold your hands and, and, and like this and, and pray. If that's how you pray, that's fine. That's, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing that. But I'm saying you don't have to find that place and in that pose every single time that you pray and say, well, I just don't have time to do that. I mean, I'm working. I've got, I mean, I've got things to do at home. I'm not talking about the, the, the form of your prayer or, or how you're praying. God wants us to pray persistently. And so this parable is another good example or a good lesson from a bad example, as someone put it. Similar to what we saw in Luke chapter 16, we saw an unjust steward. Now we see an unjust judge. Again, Jesus was insistent on this issue of trusting God, this issue of prayer, this issue of persistent prayer because of that trust. He's insisting on these things. And again, Ian Bounds said this, persevering prayer always wins. God yields to importunity and fidelity. He has no heart to say no to such, such praying as Moses did. God desires for us to be persistent in our prayer, to continue to come to him and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, please intercede for them. God, please move in their life. God, please change their heart. Move it towards your word. Move it towards your will. God wants that. And the amazing thing is this. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have things to access the very King of kings and the Lord of lords. You don't have to know somebody to get in. You, don't, you know, this is something amazing. Uh, you know, we, we went to uh, the National Day of Prayer in May in Washington, D.C. And, man, you know, you have to connect the right people. You have to talk to the right people, and you have to uh, do all the right things and, 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 and background, all this stuff. And, I mean, we, we didn't see the president. I mean, I'm not saying I, I wanted to, but we didn't see the president. We didn't see, I mean, we saw some officials, but, I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like seeing the president of the United States. And it was like an act of Congress to, to, to get through and get to, get to some of these things. And it's amazing that you and I, as just commoners, at any point in time, any point in the day, all day long, we can simply call on his name, Father. And he says, I'm here. I'm here. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get special. You don't have to put on your Sunday best. You don't have to do nothing. You can call on his name. And he's wanting to hear from us. 
And some of you know this, this feeling when you have kids or grandkids. Those kids grow up and you like to hear from them still. You know, they're in your house. They're talking to you all the time. You know, you're, you're talking to them. They're talking to you. They're growing. And, and then when they become an adult and they get, they get mature, you still long to hear from them. Now, we don't necessarily want them in our house all the time. But we like to hear from them and talk to them. Matter of fact, there's a lot that probably would like to hear from them every single day. And sometimes as kids, we're not as good as we, are, we should be like that. God wants to hear from us all the time. God wants to hear our voice. So God created my voice. He knows my voice. But he wants us to want to talk to him. He wants us to be persistent in this. I think it's amazing. I don't have to have anything. I don't have to any, do anything special. I have to have a certain, uh, I don't have to have a title, money, uh, things, nothing. I don't have to do nothing. And I can call and that's amazing to me. This parable revolves around a widow. And we have to understand a little bit about, something, about widows in this day. We, we, we talked about this in, in previous studies that uh, the families were supposed to take care of the widows and, and beyond that, if that was not, not doable, uh, widows indeed. In other words, they had nobody to take care of them. The church was to take care of them uh, as much as was it possible. And so this woman was a desperate, in a desperate state. She was in a, a, a desperate condition of her life and someone had wronged her. She needed someone to intercede. She needed someone to be there for her. She was, she was in a bad place and she needed this judge to do something. He didn't use a king. He didn't use a, a, a predominant official. He didn't talk about a popular person in society. He talked about someone who was absolutely in desperate need of help. Again, that shows us a great picture of all of us. Every day of our lives, we're in desperate need of the Lord. He's making the point that this judge, he's unrighteous. He's unjust. unjust. He, he wasn't uh, someone who you'd admire and say he's going to make the right decision no matter what. And so he says this judge is unjust and if he, because of the persistence of the widow, is going to avenge her out of his own convenience he was doing that, why would God not want to work on behalf of his children who he loves unlike the unjust judge and this widow? Why wouldn't God want to do that? But someone might ask the question, why then would God desire persistence in prayer then? If God desires to hear from us and God wants to answer and God wants to take care of us and protect us and do all those things, then why is there a need to be persistent in prayer? Why do we need to continue to go to God and say, hey, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and, 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 and provide for us, take care of us, protect us. Why do we need to continue to ask God for these things and thank God for these things? If, if God wants to do that as a loving father, why do we have to keep going to him? If God loves us, and we come and ask. Even one time, wouldn't that be enough? Why do we have to keep coming? Why do we have to be persistent? Why do we have to persist in prayer? Understand this. Our persistence in prayer is for us, not for God. Our persistence in prayer is for us. It's not for God. 
It's not like God needs to hear it like 10 times or 7 times or 100 times. Well, I'm just going to sit back and wait and see if they'll come at 88 times. You know, it's, it's, it's not, that's not how God is. God's not, God's not looking at a number. He's not looking at anything like that. God's looking at our heart. And he's looking at our lives. And our persistence in coming to him and crying out to him is about us, not about him having, being hard of hearing or being inconvenienced by our coming. It's not that at all. Our persistence in prayer is for us. Persistence, endurance, steadfastness, faithfulness, all point to faith. So if we're not persistence in going to God... What would, it, what would it be like then? Well, I've said something like this before. It'd be almost kind of like going to a slot machine or even treating God like a genie, right? Well, I, 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 he's supposed to love me. He's supposed to provide and protect and do all these things for me. And so I should just be able to call out to God and say, God, I need you to fix my marriage. God, I, I need you to give me a better job. I should be able to call out to God and say, God, I need you to heal my, my sickness. I should be able to just ask God one time and, and him do it right then. Fix this problem with, 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 with this person. And God, if, if he's all those things, then he should do it then like that. That's treating God like a genie in a bottle. That's treating God like a, like a slot machine. Like I put the prayer in. Come on, jackpot, where is it? And the mindset or the, the heart set, I think, a lot of times behind that, and when we pray like that, is this. I want it my way, and I want it in my time. So God, do it now. If it was like that, it wouldn't revolve around faith. It wouldn't revolve around surrender. It would revolve around that amazing element that we saw in Jesus in the garden, or that we'll see in our study, but we already know what he prayed. That, that amazing element was this, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Again, quoting Bounds, he says, God's great movements in this world have been conditioned on, continued and fashioned by prayer. God has put himself in these great movements just as men have prayed present prevailing conspicuous and mastering prayer has always brought god to be present the real and obvious test of a genuine work of god is the prevalence of the spirit of prayer and i want to say right now i know for me in my life and us in this church we have we have been witness to that exact point you see god's presence god move in ways and you look back you stand back and realize how much prayer has been invested into this? That's the thing that God always points out. Hey, it's not you. It's not anything you've done other than you constantly coming to me. Showing your faith, showing your trust, reliance on me. It goes on to say God's mightiest forces surcharge and impregnate a movement when pr prayer's mightiest forces are there. I love that. Let's move on in our text back in verse 9. It says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So he tells the, the, the story about the importance of praying and being persistent in prayer and always praying. 
That's the parable he just told. And now he's going to tell another parable to those who trust themselves that they were righteous, that they were good enough. I don't need to talk to God all the time. I have a relationship with God. I don't need to pray always. There's no need for me to do that. They were righteous in themselves. And not only that, they despised others. Because remember, a large portion of our prayer life is supposed to be about not us, but about others. See, you, you, can, you can pray for a long time about other people. God, to help them and to minister to them and bless them and heal them, strengthen them, work in their marriage, heal their heart, give them favor at their job. I mean, you go on and on and on and on about other people. A large portion of our prayer life is supposed to be about others. And so Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm going to tell you another story about this. People who trust themselves that they're righteous and they despise other people. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a publican. Understand this. The Pharisees have already been called hypocrites. The Pharisees are already, are, have already been uh, pronounced woes upon by Jesus. They have already been called out in their self-centered, self-righteous, self-absorbed lifestyles. Their own religion that they had created for themselves. They had set themselves over men, despised others. So the Pharisees were not in a good light based off of Jesus' teachings. The publicans, they were the same way because they were stealing from mankind, tax collectors, and, and, and they, were, they, were, they were taking from the people, abusing, extorting, uh, patting their own pockets, all those things. And so by society, the publicans and the tax collectors were outcasts. Nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody liked them. Nobody, they, they hated them, despised them, kind of like the IRS today, right? That's how a lot of people feel. A lot of people are like, man, the IRS is taking all our money. What are they doing with it? They're wasting. They're padding their own pockets. We're in debt, and yet we're paying all these, this, this money in for taxes. So people were absolutely despising the publicans, and especially those religious leaders. It was easy for them to point out the sins of the publicans and say, you know what? Those guys are the real bad guys. Those guys are the sinners. We're going to get a storm. I see people looking around. What's happening? <laughs> a little bit of rain. But... Um, this is what the Pharisees, so the Pharisees thought they were better than the publicans. And this is, what, this, this is where people were at. So he says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, one, uh, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood up and prayed thus with himself. So here's the Pharisee. Here's how he prays. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust adulterers or even as this publican I fast twice in a week I give tithes of all that I possess say I I'm righteous I mean God look at me when you got me you you got an all-star that, that's what he was praying you, you you got a pro bowler God you got the you got the 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 top tier of mankind when you got me, aren't you glad? I'm glad. Did you see, hear what he prayed? He, he prayed that. He said, I thank you. I, I thank you that I'm not like any of those other people are. Man, what a crazy prayer to pray. If, if you've ever prayed that, I want to invite you to the altar this morning. No. <laughs> God, I'm glad I'm not as bad as him. No. 
goes on a fast twice a week. I mean, you, you really got the, the cream of the crop with me. And then look at verse 13. And the publican standing far off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone, and here's the explanation, it's because everyone that exalts himself will be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know, maybe, you, maybe you've never prayed something like that in a direct way that we just read it. Um, saying, God, I, I'm coming to you and I'm just grateful that you got me. And I'm grateful that um, I'm not a bad person. And I'm grateful, you know, maybe you've never prayed anything like that. Maybe you've never said, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm not as bad as that person. I'm grateful that I'm not that bad or that low. Maybe you've never prayed those things. But maybe you have prayed. God, why can I not have something good like that? God, why, why do they get that and I get bad? You remember what I said a while ago about prayer being mostly about others? What are, what are the commandments? Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says also rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. So maybe we've not ex exalted ourselves in, in, in our minds the way that this Pharisee has and saying, you know, I, I'm really good. I'm really, but maybe we have compared ourselves to others and maybe even what other people have or maybe even opportunities, maybe even a ministry. God, I wanted to do that. Why were they asked? How come they get to do that and I don't get to do that, God? And maybe we didn't say that with our, our lips or maybe we didn't have that time in our prayer time when we were having that conscious thought, but it was there in our heart. And we were asking God in our heart. Thinking that we should have instead of somebody else. It's a pious prayer, a self-righteous, self-centered prayer. And that's what he was praying. And point number two this morning is pious prayer is pointless. It's pointless. And it's hurtful, it's damaging, and it's not going anywhere. That pious prayer is not going to get us anything. If we're a child of God, that pious prayer will actually get us something. It'll get us correction or chastisement from God. Because it's pointless to pray a pious prayer. God, I am this. God, I, I am that. They shouldn't, again, to esteem yourself above others is the opposite of what God says in his word. He says, let each esteem other better than themselves, is what the scripture says. Let each esteem other better than themselves. In honor, preferring one another, it says in Romans chapter 12. Nowhere in scripture... Please listen. Nowhere in Scripture do we see a pious prayer answered. You hear that? Nowhere in Scripture do we hear a, a, see a pious prayer answered. Why? Why not? It's because God resists the proud. God resists the proud, 
He, he re doesn't regard their prayer. He rejects the proud. He has no desire to have a relationship with those who are proud. James chapter 4 says this in verse 2. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have. You cannot obtain. You fight and war. You have not because you ask not. And listen as he goes on. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. That you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulterers, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever there will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the scripture that dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy God is inside of us put a, 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 a jealous spirit? As far as his spirit being jealous, he says this, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Matthew chapter 5, speaking on the same topic. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. Here's the reason why. There's nothing wrong with praying in the synagogue. There's nothing wrong with praying on the corner of the street. Here's the problem with it. That they may be seen of men. That was the problem. There's nothing wrong with praying in church. There's nothing wrong with standing on the podium and praying in church. There's nothing wrong coming down here in front of the church and praying at the altar. There's nothing wrong with praying somebody on the side. There's nothing wrong with praying out on the street. But if you're doing it to be seen of men, that's the problem. It's, it's about that self-righteousness. It goes on and say, says this. Very last end of you, they have their reward. There you go. Man saw them. There it is. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into your closet. When thou shut the door, thy door pray to the Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray... Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for the Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask them. It's not about being seen. It's not about being heard. It's not about even saying, hey, I got a great prayer life. It's not about that at all. It's about communing with God. It's about approaching Him in humility. Just like the publican says, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I don't deserve to approach your throne, but that's the amazing thing. You and, understand this. You and I have absolute access to the throne room of God through the blood that was shed for us on Calvary's cross. We have access to the throne room of Almighty God. We have freedom. Again, I, there's nothing that I could do. There's nothing I could say. There's no amount of money that I could give. There's not... Um, amount of popularity that I, I, I could have, fame on this earth, that I could just walk up to the White House and say, hey, I'm here to see the president. And them say, sure, come on in. And take me right to the president's office. Here you go. Enjoy. There's nothing in this world that would give me that. Nothing. You've got to go through security regardless of who you are. You've got to jump, you've got to, all kinds of things. But for the, all, the almighty God of all creation, we can just enter in through the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which you purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. We have boldness and access with confidence. We can go to God because of Jesus Christ.
And think about this. While the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the blood was shed over 2,000 years ago, around 2,000 years ago, as soon as you and I place our faith in him today, surrender our lives to Jesus, that blood is applied to our life, applied to our account. It's imputed unto us, the righteousness of God. At that moment, we gain access. All of our sins washed away, and we can approach God boldly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every, high, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, whether they were turtle doves or lambs or, or, or whatever. This, offering the same sacrifices over and over and over and over and over and over, they can never take away sins, it says. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God and from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Listen to this verse. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Complete. We are complete in him with one sacrifice whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my law in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins, I praise God for this, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering of sin. Where sins have been stamped out and he forgets our sins, he's forgiven our sins, they're gone. Where, it's, where there is no sin, there is no need of offering for sin. So Christ doesn't have to keep dying. We don't have to keep sacrificing that. And so verse 19, having therefore brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we can boldly approach, which means freely approach, with absolute confidence, not because I'm good, not because I'm thinking I'm like the Pharisee, not because I've got something to offer God, not because God got something when he got me. No, not at all. I can freely approach the throne room of God in humility and humbleness, just like the publican did. God be merciful unto me. But it's not because of anything that I've done or I could ever do. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all because of that relationship that we have through that blood. So again, it doesn't mean arrogantly approach. It doesn't mean when you get good enough, you approach. It doesn't mean that when you're righteous enough, you approach. I'm talking if you're saved. If you're saved, we can approach freely because the blood that Jesus shed. Now, understand this before we move to point three. It doesn't mean that we can ask God for something. We can go to him and ask him for something if we're regarding sin in our heart. If we're holding on to sin, Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So while we can go to him at any point in the day, at any point in the night, we can wake up early in the morning, we can, we can stay up late at night, in the middle of our day, at lunch, whenever, working, we can at any point in time call on the name of God, Father, and he hears us, we have access, we can go there boldly at any point in time. And he will hear our prayer unless there's unconfessed sin in our heart, in our life. Unless there's something that we haven't dealt with and repented of, 
His ear is open to us all the time. And so that's why it's important to have that relationship with Him, walk on Him every day, and be able to, to hear that Spirit and, and, and the Word of God be in our heart. And when it shows us something that's wrong, it shows us that, 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 that covetousness there, that lust in our heart, that, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, whatever it is that shows us that sin, at that moment we can say, God, I'm sorry, be merciful unto me. Forgive me. And we can continue to be there in his throne room. Again, our fellowship is broken if sin remains in our heart. Let's remember God's not interested in a pious, prideful prayer. Remember, nowhere in Scripture do we see this type of prayer answered in the favor of the one that's praying. But on the other hand, all throughout Scripture, we're shown something very important. Point number three, that those who are passionately crying out to God end up moving the Lord. And that's point three. Passionate prayer prompts God. It does. All through Scripture we see it. And please understand this. God's wisdom and knowledge is far beyond what we can understand. So when we say passionate prayer prompts God, when we are passionate, we're crying out, our heart's broken, we're, we're not on our face before God and we're crying out to God we need him to intercede we need him to fix to restore to heal we need him to do something we're passionately crying out to him for something we have to understand something and it's this we don't understand all of the ways that God works we don't understand why we can move him with passionate prayer if we're hurting if we're struggling if we need him to move so desperately why doesn't he just do it? We already talked a little bit about that in the persistence of prayer. Not only that, the question is asked many times is, does God have a plan that's laid out from all of eternity? The answer is yes. He's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's always been, always will be. So he knows everything that's happening. He knows everything that will ever happen. So yes, God has a plan that's laid out for all of eternity. Another question that's asked then because of that is his desire for us to pray to him to move to action in certain ways. So God knows everything that's going to happen. He already has, already has a plan for it. Yet he desires for us to pray to move him to action in certain ways. So then a, a, a consequential question to that is, what if we don't pray that way? What if we don't pray in a way that passionately moves God to action where he needs to move to action. What if I don't pray like that? Will, will God still accomplish his plan? The answer? Yes. Oh, no. That's a problem then. Why would we still need to pray then? If God's always, if he's had a plan from all, all creation, and yet God desires for us to pray in such a way that it moves him to action, why do we need to pray still? Why do we still need to passionately pray? The answer, so that God's will is accomplished, so that our relationship with him thrives and that we experience the fullness and the abundance of his blessings. See, for me or anybody to try to say or understand if God has a permissive will versus his perfect will is foolish. It is moving far too far to try to understand the mind of God. For me to stand up here and say, listen, God's going to accomplish his plan no matter what we do or don't do. 
But God desires for us every day to call on his name and to passionately pray, to move his hand, to prompt him to action in certain areas. But if we don't pray, will God still accomplish his will? Absolutely. And I don't understand that. I'm not understanding that. Listen, it's not our job to know the mind of God. It's not our job to know what God is thinking, his ways, his, his, his thoughts. They're far beyond us, the Bible says. And Paul, quoting Isaiah chapter 31, or Isaiah chapter 40, he says this in Romans chapter 11, Oh, the depths and the riches, both of the, the wisdom and knowledge of God. Listen to this, listen to this. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? This is the apostle Paul meeting Jesus on the Damascus Road. Blinding light, voice of God, heart, life changed, gone from the Pharisee, murderer and persecutor of the Christians, to probably the greatest apostle that walked the face of the earth, used of God to write the majority of the New Testament. The apostle Paul is exclaiming to these Romans, look, there's nobody who could know God's mind. His knowledge, his, the, the depth of those things are way too far beyond us. Who has been his counselor? Who has first given to him? that God would have to repay him. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. And again, to the Corinthians who wrote this, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who's known, who, who, who on earth could ever know God's mind? And the answer is rhetorical. It's no one. No one could ever know God's mind. Again, the scriptures clearly say his ways are past finding out. So to truly understand how God works in perfect wisdom and perfect righteousness and perfect holiness is far too out of reach for us. But over and over and over and over and over again in scripture, this passionate, this fervent prayer of God's people being answered and then God moving and specifically when it's when when it's god's people praying for others and specifically god's people praying for god's people god moving whether it's abraham in genesis chapter 18 whether it's moses in exodus chapter 32 what was abraham passionately praying for god if there's if there's 50 righteous people god if there's 10 righteous people what was it moses moses in exodus chapter 32 god you know what i repent that i did this I, i'm I changed my mind. I, I'm, I'm going to destroy. Moses, God, please don't. You brought us out of Egypt. You brought us here. Please don't destroy your people. Or Jesus. In John chapter 17, praying for even us. Or Paul. The first Thessalonians chapter 3. Praying for them. Or even a servant of God that didn't write any book of the Bible, but he was with the missionary team, Epaphras. Paul wrote to the Colossians that Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, was laboring fervently in prayer for them. Think about that. Laboring fervently in prayer. And we know that that's effective because James chapter 5, last part of verse 16 says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man affects a lot, availeth much. As I close, remember, the righteousness only because of Jesus' blood is the only way that we can approach the throne of God. So why does God answer this humble, passionate prayer of his people? 
Well, when it's in line with his word, it's in line with, its, with his will. And again, he will accomplish his will one way or the other. And so when we pray like this and we pr passionately pray to God to move in line with his, his word, in line with his will, he moves on our behalf because he's a good father. Remember that again in Matthew chapter 6, how, how are we supposed to pray? Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. Psalms 37, 4 says this, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've preached on this before. It's very simple. Say, listen, God knows I want that car. I, 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 he says, give me the desires of my heart. He's not giving me that house. He's not giving me that husband. He's not giving me that wife. He's not doing these things. I, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What that means is, is when you delight yourself in God, and he alone is your satisfaction, all of his will, all of his word, all of his ways, guess what they become? Your desires. And as you delight yourself in him, and all of his ways become your desires, and you pray that to God, God, I want to be righteous. God, I, I want to be like you. God, I want to walk with you. God, I want to I, I reach the lost. I want to be a, a messenger with the gospel that you've called me. I want to be an ambassador. God, I, I want to see my family saved. God, I want to see my neighbor saved. I want to see this community saved, God. All these things are in line with God's will. God, and that's why when we pray for the sick, we pray for certain circumstances. God, we, our desire is that you would heal this person, but who can know the mind of God? Who knows all the ways of God? Who knows God's plan? We don't know. And so we pray in that prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This morning is the Lord your delight. Right now sitting in that seat, standing on this podium, is God our delight? Could you take everything away from you? Take, take away your family. Just like Job, take away your health, take away your family, take away your ability to make money and provide for yourself, all of your land, all of everything taken away from you right now. Would you still be satisfied with your relationship with God? Could you say what Job said? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you still bless God with your mouth, the mouth that he created and gave to you, if everything was stripped away? Your health, everything. See, sometimes it's, it's not that much. Sometimes it's, we just have to lose something small. And we borderline curse God. Delight yourself in the Lord. Is he your delight this morning? Is he everything that you desire? Is he all that you want? If he is, then you can be rest assured. When you passionately cry out for, to him, whether it's at this altar or when you leave this place or tomorrow or the next day, as you continue to passionately cry out for him, he will move. But it may be the fact that you need to be persistent. And then that's the next question. Are you persistent in your prayer life? Are you persistent in calling out to God? How about your approach? Is it in humility? You come to God. 
here I am. I don't know about you, but we are in a desperate state as a people, as a nation. This world's in a desperate state. And the people of God at this point in, in history need to be serious about prayer. We, we need to be praying and calling out to God individually, and we need to be faithful and calling out to God collectively. So this morning, I pray that you're challenged. I pray that you're encouraged. Whatever it is that God needed to do in your life, I pray that you see how important prayer is. Because we only get this opportunity in this life to walk with Him and to accomplish His will. Let's bow our heads and pray. We'll open up the altar after. Father, thank you so much for this time. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity again to be in your word. Thank you for um, just the, the many blessings that um, we were reminded of this morning. The, the shed blood on our account, on our behalf, that could be applied to our account. Lord, thank you so much for uh, the blessings of prayer, being able to come to you once we have that relationship with you. Lord, thank you for a sacrifice that was once and for all. Lord, I pray that you would move now, that we would respond rightly to your word. God, if there are those maybe struggling with persistence, or maybe not, maybe their prayer life is great, but they just want to spend some more time in prayer, I pray you'd just move the hearts and have your way during this invitation. Lord, that this altar would be full of people crying out to you, even, even specifically for other people crying out for others to be healed, for others to have strength, for others to have boldness in their witness, for others to, uh, to have marriages reconciled and uh, healing in their, their life emotionally over the loss of a loved one. Lord, I pray this altar be full of, of your people crying out to you. And I pray as we leave this place today, we would not fall short and being persistent in prayer. God, that we would be people of prayer and see you do great things. Lord, we ask you to just move now in this time. We ask it all in Jesus' name.